0: This is the Roaring Elephant podcast, and here I am once more with my co-host and a special guest.
1: Oh, I haven't been replaced yet; I can still stay.
0: I mean, for now. Oh. I mean, it, you're, you're on thin ice, so like, we'll have to see how this it's episode the of goes. Summer? How can I be
1: on thin ice? Come on.
0: <laughs> we are once more, for the final time, uh, joined by John Mertick Uh, program management at uh, the linux foundation he's talking to us about his book his recent book open source projects beyond code this is the the last episode on this topic as we dive finally one more time down the rabbit hole and uh, see what interesting and exciting topics we cover here
1: let's get some carrots
0: Um, Okay, so kind of moving on a little bit, the the kind of the third sort of um, kind of and and really sort of find a major final major section of the the book kind of talks about building and uh, and scaling kind of open source uh, ecosystems. And like one of the topics that you touch on is is sort of um, commercializing open source and. Kind of on the previous section, you talked a little bit about um, uh, about this this element of... Um, oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh,
2: Getting companies involved or corporate involvement.
0: Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't that. It was um, about kind of... Um, not commercializing, commercializing but um, sort of having... Um, sort of organizations or open source projects sustain themselves Yeah, Um, and kind of, you know, we've seen, we've seen a little bit of, you know, stuff happening over the last year or so with, you know, some, some projects, open source projects, you know, intentionally putting bugs in code and doing other sorts of crazy stuff to draw attention to the fact that, you know, that this is a a real problem. Um, Now, obviously the, the the commercialization of open source code for some people like it's a complete anathema it's like the complete opposite of why they do these things and for some people Mm -hmm. it's like this is the goal for them they 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 want to live, live the life of um you know sort of uh love what you do and do what you love sort of thing and they want that to be their their everything and it it when you're talking about the commercialization of open source, it, it's another one of these very emotive topics that, you know, you can get a bit of like um, pitchforks and, uh, and torches at, at, at midnight sort of thing. So mm-hmm. how do you, how do you kind of navigate this when you've got such a, a, a polarized kind of audience?
2: So one thing I do want to put a comment on is is the love what you do um, aspect, you know, and sort of that, you know, inner whatever, that everything she would love. Um, my wife has a great term and and, and she says is love is a choice. And it's not just an emotion. And I, I think that's one thing that you kind of always have to think about because sometimes that just isn't, it isn't easy. It's a lot yeah. of work. Sometimes it's great and, the, and and it's amazing. Other times it's it's tough and it's challenging, and it's and even even you know the the best relationships, the best whatever you know. My wife and I have an amazing relationship, and you know there you still run through all of those things that you know you know external things that just that just are challenging. Your open source project is is no no different with it. Um, you know, I, there's always kind of like this. You know, if you look back at the ethos of open source, it was it was built up around this whole sort of damn the man um, anti-corporate ethos aspect to it, right? Yep. And so you, you have folks of that generation that, that come from a time, you know, when you had, um, you know, the, the IBM antitrust lawsuits, um, you know, and uh, the, you know, the Apple computer lawsuits and all those sorts of things that were, were really stuck a heart in sort of that early hobbyist movement you have people that are coming from that era that experienced that and experienced sort of what that polar opposite was that the view of corporations getting back involved, it triggers real fear. Mm -hmm. Like it triggers a real response. It triggers, you know, a lot of things. And so I think with one half, you have to appreciate that level of history. I mean, you have to appreciate of where that, all comes from it's. It's not that it's not that you wake up in the morning and say you know fill in the blank company is evil. You wake up in the morning because you worry about that because it actually did happen to you and it mm. actually did affect some part of your life. You know, it's the same people like that, that might be scared of flying in an airplane. You know, this isn't Delta's fault. It's you know some event that you okay it could be Delta's fault. I don't know. <laughs> anything. Um, I don't know. I'm a Delta Million Miler, so they they're cool with me. Um, but you know, it, it it could be just like some other event. It could be like a friend of a friend. It could be you know who knows what. It, maybe you watch you know, past, you know Wesley Snipes in *Past Year* fifty seven too many times. I don't know. But there's there's always sort of that reaction to it. So, anyways, enough of that half thing. I think that's the first thing you have to think about is like where where sort of that mindset ends up being coming from. And then you have to look at it from the corporate mindset here as well. You know, they're obviously built as an organization, you know, to maximize profit for creative short shareholders. That's sort of like the thing you hear thrown out there. Yes, that's not true. I mean, running an unprofitable business is, you know, as, as we seen in the startup world doesn't get you very far, mm-hmm. but running a sustainable business is really what makes people happier on the long term. I mean, you can short term it, but anyways, I won't get into that philosophical thing. But knowing that these companies are seeing, hey, these are opportunities for us to get engaged do good but maybe also build things that are going to have a wide applicability and value for the downstream market. Now, just because you are doing that doesn't mean that there is not going to be negative side effects to that. Everything you do is going to have that. Like That is a reality that you have to, you know, accept. And, and it is sort of tough because, again, you, then you have all of these things coming in conflict with the other. You have a company that you know you have, you have companies and organizations that want to build these ecosystems because they think it can make things more efficient it can move the world faster you know it could help these different technology spaces develop out you know at the same time you know there's going to be some areas that it, it could push other technologies out you know it could you know change the dynamics of the market some of that might be for a good thing maybe some of that might have some negative consequences and then you sort of then have the the blanket view of you know folks that have been in open source for decades and decades that you know remember those early days of you know uh, we've seen this story before the corporations are here to like screw everything up. Mm. I, I I think I think the one thing to always think about in this is it's easy to jump up to the hundred thousand foot view and like say this particular action here. I'm going to connect it to this thing way out here mm. because that is an easy way for me to drive sort of a narrative forward.
0: Because that's the story that you want to tell.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the emotion. You want. And we, we see mm. this play out of the American politics system like like none other. Um, mm. I don't know if it's, if it's the same over in Europe or not. Um, I'm, I'm sure maybe. I mean,
0: politicians doing politician things is pretty much the same the world over, I think.
2: It it is. We in America have really taken it to another level in the past like decade. But you know, um, what do you know? We're the we're the pioneers of democracy. So there you go. Um, But no, I I I think I think that ends up being the challenge because you know every time like every time you get like Hacker News and you see like some sort of like big scandalous thing of this project doing this or this doing that and and especially with me and, and a lot of my position of knowing. So much of what has happened behind the scenes on some of these things, you realize it's not done with the ill intent. Um, oftentimes, sort of comically, the things that they call out are the exact things I wouldn't call out. And if they really wanted to do the shit shows, they're missing them entirely. Um, but you know, understand that people are trying to do things. They're not trying to do things to burn the house down. They're trying to do things for a state of good. Now, getting to a state of good does it mean that everything along the way is going to be perfect? And I think that, it, and again, that's not, and I know I'm kind of like not giving you a direct answer to your question because there's not a direct answer to it. Yeah. I would challenge anybody that says, I can make everybody happy with everything I do. I mean, even if you go back, and I'm going to date myself in the movie Wayne's World, where <laughs> I think Garth put out the quote there is like, you can't make everyone happy. Led Zeppelin didn't make everybody happy, they left that to the Bee Gees. <laughs> you know, and you know, it's it's the same thing sort of just it, it just sticks so true. Like it but you you have to appreciate what the trade-offs are. And and I think it sometimes it opens up the path for a conversation because I would even argue in some of these things that people don't even realize that you know that trade-off caused this. And it's just something you just don't even think about or you didn't think could pop up. So, you know, I think boiling it back down to ecosystem building and and, and how that all you know connects with that you know, a, a lot of these folks are sort of making making bets, hoping on a short-term and a long-term, you know, view of things, and you can't predict the future. Um, and anybody says you can, and everybody says that a guy called that, you know, five years ago that this was going to happen, I would challenge them to try to do that again. So, you know, you, you it, it's just such a big amorphous thing that you kind of have to yeah. work through and, and appreciate all the things, but I think the more that you... Have very honest dialogues where you're running into these things that are problematic, or that hey, this is a side effect that's happening. You have that conversation. It's hard sometimes. It's sometimes you can't find the right set of ears to do it. Um, but but you get past you know so much in it. I don't know, Dave. I feel like I've just like went off an entire tangent, not answered a lick of your question. So you no, can just—I
0: I think it's—I think you're—I think you're spot on in that I probably asked you an impossible question because I don't think there is. And I just answered something entirely <laughs> different. Yeah. No, no. I—I I, I don't think there is a way to really satisfy kind of both sides of 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 that kind of audience. There are always going to be some people that are triggered by one extreme and some people yeah. are triggered by another extreme and the the best that you can do is that hope that sanity and reason will effectively sort of win out eventually i think and I, you know i i really i like the way that you approach it in the book i would advise those listening to to go and check it out if they think it's a a topic they'd like to know more about um so again it it was uh it was an awesome um sort of awesome to talk through you know the the some of the content here we have barely touched any of it so if this does sound uh, interesting definitely encourage people to to go and read but maybe kind of just as a few thoughts or a few questions to sort of wrap wrap things up um you know you sort of to so we said at the beginning like you kind of Kept out of the drama side of this, so people looking for a, an action thriller romance, um, probably this is not the the ideal book for you. But like, um, was that was that difficult to to sort of try and keep that sort of that balanced approach and and not fall into some
2: of those traps? Yes and no. Mm. So in one aspect. I feel like a lot of the roles that I have done over the past, you know, eight years at the Linux Foundation have sort of taught me to look at everything from multiple different levels and understanding that there's, you know, just, you know, going back to my earlier diatribe, there's just so many different perspectives, there's so many different viewpoints, but a lot of it all comes from people looking at things in wanting to make it good, but not an understanding that some of these things just are going to come into conflict with one another. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of my mind that has always tried to take the approach of thinking about that. I mean, I even, I even, you know, I even do that, you know, a lot even with my kids. You know, my kids are, my, my oldest is going to be a senior in high school here. And, you know, we we've sort of, you, when you got to that point, you've got past the point of being able to say, go do X, Y, and Z, and this is going to be the solution to everything. And more, you're trying to empower them to be able to make those decisions and how to think about them. So I think there's one aspect of because I've spent so much time in that realm that it wasn't hard. On the other half, everything you talk about in open source, everyone has an opinion on. <laughs> and, and that's okay. Like I, That is what makes a great, vibrant conversation. Yep. It gives everybody at open source conferences a reason to have a drink. And <laughs> you know, for, for both the camaraderie aspect and also to wash the pain away. but. You know, I, I think also with that, I, I, when I was going through a lot of this, I, I really had to be very conscious of steering clear of opinion and steering clear of this is where, this is X, Y, and Z, what you must do uh-uh. and more show. This is what has been done and it seemed like it turned out good for them. This is what was done and it didn't have the greatest results. Um, And these are things that maybe went down the wrong path, but this happened and this kind of curved it back. And Mm -hmm. sort of showed like, these are the examples out there. Because I think that's really all we ever have to, I mean, even even if you look at like the legal system, so much of it is built off of case law. Like nobody, like, you know, nobody, you know, all the laws were not written day one. It was over, well, I mean. That's
1: the problem problem. basically.
2: (laughs) That is the problem basically, right? (laughs) And, and I think we we run into that, you know, I could, I could go on a whole, you know, thing where I, I think, you know, sometimes in religions, there, there's some traps we fall into because we look at the world the same way. But so much of this is is an evolving art that you kind of, you have to look through all these situations. And as you go through it, you're able to sort of make decision points along the way. You're able to say, okay, well, we didn't think of that angle. You know, maybe we need to, to build this over time. Um, and, and, and so I think that is... One of the aspects that I really, really, really had to be careful of, because you know, I'll be honest on the one half of things, my role here at the Linux Foundation comes with a predetermination by a number of people that I'm going to have a particular view on open source. That's just a reality of it that I cannot do anything about. And I in a lot of ways, it's good. in a lot of ways, you know people might find it problematic and and that is sort of what it is. But I think to really is make this as authentic as I possibly could, I kind of had to take that as a little bit of the backseat and say, like, this is just what the reality of all the situations are. And this hopefully gives you the knowledge of understanding all of that. And it's then up to you, the reader, to figure out like how you best apply those.
1: Yeah, I think you did a great job at that. I mean, in no way did I ever had the impression that somebody from the Linux Foundation was telling me how to do it right. That was definitely not uh, the vibe I got from the book at all. It's yeah. a very considerate pros and cons. <laughs> <of things. laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can imagine it was a hard one. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, if you live a certain call of the job, for, for, for lack of a better word, it will form your opinions, it will form the way oh, yeah. you talk about things. That's inevitable. But uh, no, I mean, this was a book written by somebody who knows a lot about open source, but mm-hmm. didn't have a secret agenda.
2: Yeah. And, and, and no bias. And, and frankly, like, even past that, like I even try to write from the perspective, you know, open source maybe isn't good for some situations. And yeah. and I think you have to be even though one who is pro open source, one would think that they should be pro open source for everything. Sometimes that's just not the case. And that's yeah. that's okay as well. Like, you know, there there's just there's just so much out there that you just can't have hard line truths to everything. Like you you yeah. have to be you have to just learn for what's out there.
1: Fanaticism is never right. No,
2: no, it doesn't. Uh,
0: so we we did have, uh, however, some feedback for your second edition um, that clearly oh, you'll, I... be, you'll be you'll be will be working on next, and that is you talked about marketing and open source, and you completely missed podcasts out of your book. So obviously, like there needs to be a section <laughs> on podcasts.
2: You know, if you if you ever write a book, when you get to those later chapters, there it is. We talked about labor of love. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard. Like, the writing is just... Like, the first couple of chapters, you're like, this is great. And then you're, like, in the middle section, and it's like the the, the, the doldrums start to set in, and you're really having to push yourself through. And then at the end, you're like, how do I fucking get this thing done? How about the
1: your spirits that think about a podcast then? Come on. Well, and then,
2: and, yeah, I, you know, through all of this, I forget. No, actually, there's so many things, like... There was even one other topic that I I talked with somebody afterwards um, around sort of like a corporate barrier to open source, whereas um, that oftentimes these like product managers hesitate to let their engineers get involved because Mm. they're worried that once they get involved in a piece of code, they can never get out of it. Mm. Like they're stuck with it for life, like they steal their passport you know, and they they have all sorts of uh, like you know blackmail on them. It's like you're going to keep contributing, right? <laughs> um, and 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 you know, and and it's kind of a funny. Like, we laugh about it, but I mean, that was a couple projects have been and it's like that's an actual fear, and I think that's something. You know, there's things like that that I think going back we could. Dig more into on 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 a second edition for sure. Hopefully, that's a couple of years till I have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you get
0: you get a little bit of uh, of, of time off between uh, between now and then.
2: My family really loved me through this book. Um, I don't. They they would also really love me to have a break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so obviously, uh, open source projects beyond code by John Murtick is available. You know, on Kindle and paperback. Uh, but if you were to do an audiobook version, would you narrate it or who would be your choice of a celebrity, celebrity narrator?
2: Oh, that's a good one. I've never thought about that. Um, I don't, I don't know if I could read it really well. I, I mean, I probably could to an extent, um, Maybe like wouldn't James Earl Jones be really funny? Oh, yeah. Everybody goes to Darth Vader always, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That was just like you know, a- after like the sections in there where you like the the projects are bickering at each other, there'd be like a. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: love it! Absolutely yeah, it's love a good it. Dark
2: sidey for open source, I find, but hey, whatever. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's it's pronounced maybe like a Morgan Freeman or someone like someone who just yeah. has like that that yeah. comfortable. Deep voice in there, Um, yeah, soothing, calming. Good one. Or or maybe we just like go off the rails here and just do something entirely random, like um, you know, like uh, like uh, like do like a Will Ferrell or something, like just (laughs) entirely like an Adam Sandler version of it. Or maybe, (laughs) maybe is what I should have is like both of you tandem do it in like <laughs> chapters back and forth. Cause you all have the voices that are built for this. I, I can't stand the sound go. of my own voice. Ah, there
0: we go. <laughs> 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 Fantastic. Well, anything else that you want to add? Anything else that, uh, that
2: we, that we missed chatting about that particularly prevalent? No, I mean, I think that, I think this is a great, I, this is actually very in depth and, and, Digging into a number of these topics, and I've really, I, I mean, I always love talking to you all. Um, I, I appreciate you all continuing to invite me back. I mean, either you need an episode where your audience leaves you alone, or your audience likes me. I don't know. One of the two is probably true. Um, but don't I think tell this me, is, like, this you is. Keep a, going back. You know, it's all good. Um, but no, this was this was really deep. I mean, I think this really kind of like unpacked a lot of that. And I can tell both of you really spent some time and wrestled with some of the stuff in this book and, and were able to connect to it. And so I I, I truly, truly, truly appreciate that. And, you know, I, I, I just truly appreciate anybody that can just kind of jump into this book. And, and even if you find like a couple nuggets of things that are useful to you, I mean, you might look at some of it and say, this John's an idiot. And that's fine. I, I am sometimes. I'm cool with that. <laughs> um but but i think if, if there's stuff that people can take away with it i mean that was that was a lot of my whole goal with this is like if there's just if there's things that i can at least dump from my brain into this and it could be useful to a couple other people then you know that's that's a win to me so um and i'm always happy if folks you know read this and they got questions and they want to dig into it or things like that i'm i'm not far away i'm i'm more than happy to chat about these things so
0: Fantastic. Well, as always, John, it's been fantastic chatting with you. Really, really enjoy the conversations, the random diversions, and the uh, interesting sidelines that we always go down. Um, yes. You know, for for those for those still listening at this point, open source <laughs> projects beyond code by John Mertic by Pact Publishing, available at all good uh, bookstore retailers at a, at a place near you. So, it's been wonderful chatting. Look forward yeah. to uh, speaking to you again soon, and uh, yeah. take care. Thank you.
2: Both of you, too. Thank you, John.
0: And there we are, the final episode of our interview with John. Thank you so much, John. Uh, we really appreciate the time that you shared with us. We really appreciate the discussion and the conversation. It's always, it's always so exciting to talk with you. There's so many kind of... Interesting concepts and ideas, and weird and wacky directions that other <laughs> discussions go in, um, but it's always such a pleasure. So, congratulations on the book, and
1: uh, you know our very best wishes for its success. Yes, and we're still waiting for version two's uh, release date. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, no the second hours. edition. <laughs> <laughs> We've already suggested some some um, some uh, some, improvements. some sort of improvements <laughs> and, and next iterations.
1: Anyway. Unless anything else from you? Nothing else from me. Then big thank you to John. And it is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast, uh, help us retain these kind of great guests for our podcast and uh, find us on Patreon, contributions to help us. We are on YouTube. You can hit the like button, subscribe button, notification bells and YouTube stuffs. You can go to www.roaringelephant.org. There's links there to the Patreon page, information about the podcast, and there's still the Twitter at Roaring Elephant tag, but uh, yeah, it's Twitter. You can, of course, still send your feedback by email to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. Until next time, my name is I Need to Find Another Tree to Kill. Jon? my
0: name is Night Vision Dave. It's all about the carrots.
1: Uh, okay, yeah, i enough. We look forward to talking to you again next week. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See you then. Didn't see where you were gonna get there. <laughs> just thinking about the book opening your eyes to new wind, but no, just about carrots. Okay,
0: what is No, it? no, all about the carrots. I like carrots. Raw carrots, though. Don't like
1: cooked carrots. Oh no, overcooked, really mushy. Mm. Oh God no, no, <laughs> terrible idea. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, food culture from Great Britain. That's yes.
0: <laughs> oh, oh dear! Shots fired. It says the the Belgian living in the Netherlands. Oh dear!
1: Exporting good food culture to poor countries. <laughs> oh dear! Next episode. Goodbye. Food in the industry. <laughs> <laughs>